I'm going to open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that we can come here together and worship. We're thankful, Lord, that we could uh, hear your word. We just pray now as we spend time in your word that's inspiring and encouraging to each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today is the first week of our series called Parables, and basically we're going to study through parables from now until through the summer. As I was praying about like what I should preach about through the summer, I realized that we're going to be back and forth outside or inside depending on the weather. And as in last summer, if you remember, I did that nature declares the glory of God. So I was trying to pray about like, okay, how is it? Uh, what are some things that I could preach on that are going to be memorable and easy to um, remember? without the use of uh, screens and stuff like that. So I figured, duh, parables. Jesus taught parables when he was outside walking around. And lo and behold, there happens to be roughly 40 parables. We probably won't study every single one of them, but we're going to do our best to get through uh, most of them throughout the summer and the spring. And the tagline for our series is going to be, He who has ears to hear, let him hear, which is from Matthew 11, 15. And this is a reference to people that are open and interested in the spiritual truths of what Jesus was teaching through the parables. Now, a good definition for parables are, uh, is provided by John MacArthur, and it's this. A parable is an ingenious, simple word picture illuminating a profound spiritual lesson. So basically, it's a simple story that actually illuminates a spiritual truth or spiritual lesson. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start with the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. And uh, this pretty much most believe this was Jesus's first parable that he taught. And what he does is he teaches the parable. He tells a story. Then the disciples come up to him and ask him what the parable means. But before he tells them what the parable means, he actually tells them why he speaks in parables. So before I get into the parable, I'm going to tell you, or we're going to look at the passage of why Jesus actually decided to teach in parables. So we're going to start off with Matthew chapter 13. In verse 10, it says this. Then the disciples came to him and said, said to him, Why do you speak in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their, eye, and their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. 
hear it. So basically, Jesus kind of gives us this like long little explanation about speaking in parables. And basically, in a nutshell, what he's saying is those who are spiritually interested will hear these things. They'll understand these things, and they'll use these things in their life. To much like the things that are given, you're going to use those things. Now, some of you will probably say this, well, you know what? I hear these parables and I don't understand them. So am I like the the people that Jesus was talking to, to? And basically the question you have to ask yourself, do you actually long to understand them? Do you look into those things to see if it's something that you want to understand? So now then he says, this is said also, so the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. There's going to be people that are dull and not listening, not spiritually interested, and they're not going to open their eyes or their ears and hear the spiritual truths. So basically, then it comes to the question is this, really, why did Jesus speak in parables? So he gives us this explanation. I'm going to boil it down to two things. The first is the spiritually prepared would understand. People are not, who are not spiritually ready or prepared will hear them and not understand the spiritual truths that Jesus is teaching about. But those who are ready and prepared, they're going to hear them, they're going to look into them and try to understand them, just like the disciples did, because Jesus spoke this first parable, and the first thing they did is said, Jesus, what are you talking about, okay? We need to learn more about what you're talking about. We're interested, and we're involved in what you're saying, and we want to hear you. But the second reason Jesus speaks in parables is to help us remember spiritual truths. We all love a good story, right? And it's easy to remember a story. When you hear a story, it's easy to remember a story. And in fact, a lot of times, not only do you want to remember it, you want to actually recount it and go back to it. Some of you here that are parents right now, right? Or if you're parenting and your your kids are older, remember when they used to climb on your lap and give you that same book? They're like three years old, they can't read. They give you the same book and they want you to read it again and again. And you maybe skipped a few pages here and there and they're like, wait, you skipped pages. You're like, I'm just trying to get you to bed, okay? Um, here's the thing. So they went to that book so many times. They wanted to hear the same story, same story, to, to the point where you're probably even sick of the story. Well, let me just tell you this. Then when you go in the attic like 10 years later and you see the book, you're going to be like, ah, oh, I remember this book. I love this book. And you're like, but I hated it when I used to read it 40 times every single night before bed. Why are people like that? Why are people drawn to stories, okay? Well, Jesus knew that people are drawn to stories. It's a hook. It's a way for us to remember things. So now what Jesus does is he takes these stories and he says, okay, this is going to be a way for you to remember it, but now we're going to get some spiritual truths out of these things. So you remember those things as well. Now remember, this is 2,000 years ago. Jesus is walking around teaching people. People didn't have a Bible under their arm and fact-checked them, fact-checked Jesus, okay? They didn't, they, they were hearing the very words of God right to their ears. So these were great ways for people to remember these things. So what I want to do is I want to look at the parable of the sower. Jesus went out on a boat and there were crowds gathered on the shore. Now think about this for a second. Maybe you haven't thought about this. Jesus sitting on a boat with a little bit of water in between him and the shore, and then the crowd on the shore, okay? I'm speaking to you today with what? A PA system, okay? They didn't have PA systems back then, but could you imagine the Savior's voice just kind of like reverberating, the echo over the water, 
and going right to those hearers, the people sitting on the shore. So in some senses, Jesus is like, hey, they don't have PAs yet. I know you're going to get those eventually in like 2,000 years, but you know what? People need to hear me. So I'm going to be shoved out on a boat and I'm going to talk from that boat and you're going to hear the echo, the reverberation of my voice, and it's going to come right to your ears. So here's what Jesus said. He said, a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seeds, and, and he sowed, excuse me. Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So now this, when we look at this passage, we're going to find that it's kind of easy to interpret because Jesus will explain this parable to us. Because the disciples went and said, hey, Jesus, what does this mean? But before we get to the passage uh, down the road a little bit where Jesus explains what it means, I want to give you some symbolism that's going on in this parable or some symbolism that's going on in this parable. And the first one is this. The seed is the word of the kingdom or the gospel message. So this sower going out, sowing the seed, represents the gospel message. The seed actually represents the gospel message. The message that we are all sinners in need of a savior. Jesus is our savior. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He laid down his life to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose to prove that he is God, that he could in fact die for our sins. And the scriptures tell us this, all who believe will have eternal life. So the word of the kingdom is that we are sinners that we need, and we need a savior. Jesus is the savior who laid down his life for us. Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he's God, to prove that he can actually save us. So when we see the seed, we see this is the gospel message. This is the gospel message that we've believed. Hopefully you've believed. This is the gospel message that we believe, but that we are actually responsible to get out to this community. Okay, God has entrusted us with this message to bring to all the people around us. The sower is the believer preaching the gospel. Some of you might say, well, Pastor Mike, you're the sower. No, no, no. We're all the sowers, okay? We are all responsible to preach the gospel. You might say, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't really do that. I don't like talking to people. I'm shy, this and that. But we all have a responsibility to actually tell other people the good news about who Jesus is. The third symbol in there is the birds. You'll notice in the path, when, when the seeds fell on the path, the birds came and took the seed away. This represents Satan and his demons. And the, Satan and his demons are always going to try to thwart the, thwart the efforts of the gospel message going out. And then finally, the soil, there's four different soils that we're going to deal with, is the condition of the person's heart, okay? The soils are the conditions of the people's heart that we're talking to. So let's go into the explanation. First, we're going to start with the path. That's the first soil. Here then, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, this is this this path, the, the soil of the path would be an unbeliever, a person who never really truly received Christ, who never received the message. The gospel message goes out and here's what happens. Here's one of the main things that happens when the gospel message goes out. Spiritual warfare ensues, okay? Now, some people don't like when we talk about Satan and demons and spiritual warfare. They think that's crazy stuff. But here's what you need to know as a Christian. The same book that tells us about Jesus and what he's done for us also tells us about Satan and demons and what they do against God and against us. So basically what happens here is if you can imagine this field, okay? Now, remember, there is no like heavy machinery planting seeds, okay? So you have a sower, a farmer, and he has grids of field where there's tilled soil that's actually good soil. In between each of those grids, there's going to be paths where the sower walks, Okay, he doesn't only walk on those paths to sow seed, but he also walks on those paths in order to pick whatever he's grown. So he goes out, he has a little seed bag, and he's throwing seed all over. He's throwing seed, and his goal is to get those seeds into the good soil. But guess what? When you're throwing seed, if you've ever done this on, you know, maybe you have a bare spot in your lawn, you throw seed. You're not like, okay, I'm going to plant each little seed, okay? You just throw it, and like, hopefully it goes in the good soil, and, and, and there's going to be some seed that falls by the wayside, or in this case, the path. So that seed will be on the path, and obviously it's not going to penetrate because the path is packed down. So because it doesn't penetrate, then the birds have the opportunity to come and take that seed away, or in this case, Satan and his demons have the opportunity to actually kind of come in and kind of make what is heard seem like something that's not a good idea, okay? So this would be like the person that you might know that maybe you've even invited them to a church service or something like that, or you've talked to them about the Lord, and it's kind of like they're like this, eh, I don't want anything to do with that. They heard you, but they don't want anything to do with that. In fact, they don't want anything to do with it so much so that they might even forget what you've even talked about. And then sometime down the road, you'll be like, remember what I talked about? And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, okay? I don't really know what you're talking about. This happens all the time with people. Um, you know, sometimes when people are not spiritually ready to hear the gospel, they'll hear it and they'll be like, man, that's like the first time I've heard it like that. And maybe they've been coming to church for like months or weeks or years and you're like, no, 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 you've heard it, okay? You just weren't listening. Now, when we think about this, like, you know, when you think about that person, it's like, ah, what we need to do as Christians is realize we have to have compassion on people because what makes someone's heart hard, okay? There's many things that make people's hearts hard, but a lot of times people's hearts are hard like that path because of things that have happened in their life. Maybe their upbringing. Maybe some of the things they got caught up in. Whatever it might be, they're, they're, the soil of their heart, so to speak, is very hard. And when they hear something about God, maybe in fact they're so mad and angry and their hearts are so hard, when you come along you're like, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. They're like, oh, get away from me, you. Okay? They don't even want to have anything to do with you because they don't want what you are talking about. 
So this is obviously an unbeliever. Now, the next two soils, there is a bit of an interpretation debate around these next two soils. And I will tell you that some teach that these two are true believers that get off focus, but then some teach that these are people that never truly believed. Okay, I am going to lean more towards those that have believed and got off focus, but I'm not tied to that. I wouldn't argue with you if you disagreed. I could tell you one, I bought a book by John MacArthur about parables. He thinks these two are definitely not believers, okay? And then one of my teachers, Dr. Charles Ryrie, who wrote, wrote Systematic Theology and a bunch of other books, he believes these two soils are actually believers that are off focus. I tend to lean more towards that, but what I want to do is I want to kind of teach it kind of like in a both end, just so we can kind of deal with it, because I don't think that the purpose of this parable is a debate on whether these two soils were believers or not. I think it's something that we need to take away from as application, and we'll get there. But here is what we do know to be true in the scriptures. Before we will look more closely, I want to remind you that if someone truly believes in Jesus as their Savior, meaning they have a true conversion experience, that can never be reversed. Meaning this, you cannot lose your salvation. If someone is a true believer, they cannot lose their salvation. So never get that confused. There's nothing that someone can do that God would say, well, I had you, but now I don't want you anymore. There's nothing that you can do, okay? If a person says, well, I never believed that, then, you know, I'm not going to argue with them. You know what I mean? If they say, I never believed that, then, okay, fine. You never believed that. You weren't a true believer. So, if Jesus is describing two unbelievers here, he's not saying they were believers who lost their salvation. That's what you have to remember. If he's describing two unbelievers here, he's not saying these were people that lost their salvation. He is saying they never truly believed. Maybe they had a season in their life which they went to church, they showed interest. Maybe they even got excited about coming to church or going on a retreat or something like that. But they didn't truly have saving faith. They didn't say, yes, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need you to save me. So that being said, like I said, I tend to lean towards these two soils as believers that got off focus. And realistically, when we look at it, in some senses, we have to say, you know what? I'm going to join biblical truth with personal experience. Think about this. Do you know believers that are off focus? Please don't point at them, okay? <laughs> we all do, okay? Do you realize that sometimes in your life, you get off focus? Think about that. When I confront believers that are off focus, I don't go up to them and say, hey, are you still even a believer? I would never say that. I would challenge their commitment. Just like married people, right? Do you know married people that are horrible spouses? Again, don't point, okay? <laughs> They're still married, aren't they? But you might challenge their commitment. Okay. Think about that for a second. So let's look at the rocky soil. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this person's like, yeah, I love this, okay? I believe this, maybe. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So let's say this person did truly believe. This is a believer that can't take the heat. 
This is a believer that can't take the heat. They believe in Jesus, things start to go wrong. They start to have health problems. They start to have relational problems. They start to have financial problems. Maybe people are mocking their newfound faith and they thought everything was going to work out and they were going to be happy now that they believed in Jesus. And maybe they were somewhat happy even before they believed in Jesus. And then things just kind of took a turn for the worse. And now they're like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do with this. Like, you know, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. There are two types of people, two types of Christians when the heat is on, when suffering comes. There are the people that run to God or the people that run away from God. There's the people that run to God or the people that run away from God. And maybe you've had a season in your life where things have gone wrong and you're just like, ah, and you can't even bring yourself maybe even to come to worship. Maybe you're just like, oh, I don't even feel like doing this. Maybe you're just so down and out and that's impacting your faith. But notice what the passage says here. And here's where we have some Christian responsibility coming up. They have no root. They have no root. So this could be a believer that just does not know much. So to have a good and godly response to what's going on is very difficult because they never learned it. They just have no roots. Maybe you know someone like this. Maybe instead of getting hung up on whether they believed or not, if they say they believed, maybe your role in their life is to help them develop roots. Do you realize that less than 15% of Christians in the United States have a biblical worldview? Do you know what that means? That means that there's 85% of people who profess that Jesus is their Savior but when they look at the Bible, they're like, eh, I don't know about that thing. You know what I mean? Like, let me Google it and find out what people think about this. Let me go see what the world has. Let me see what philosophers have to say. Let me, and they don't have a biblical worldview. How do you expect these people to have deep roots if they don't even go to the Bible for everything in their life? Maybe this is you. Maybe this is you. Maybe right now things are going well. But how are you going to respond when things get tough? How are, you going to re how are you going to respond when the heat is on? Well, I'll tell you how you'll respond. If you don't develop your roots, guess what? It's going to be difficult. If you don't develop your roots. Because guess what? When the heat is on, then you start to say, well, I know about this. I knew this was coming. I knew this world wasn't going to be perfect. I knew everything wasn't going to be the way I thought it should be. I knew that my plans weren't going to be the plans, that it was going to be God's plans. But what I would suggest, though, is if this is you and things have gotten hard, don't doubt your faith. Look for ways to increase your faith. Look for ways to deepen those roots. Some of you right here, right now, would agree wholeheartedly with this. Some of the deepest roots that you've made in your Christian life were in response to some of the most difficult things. Were in response to some of the most difficult things. Because you came to this conclusion after you believe that when this point happened in your life, you're like, okay, I got two places to run. I could either run away or run to them. Let me just tell you, if you're wondering about running away from God, read the book of Jonah. It'll take you like 10 minutes, okay? 
Running does not usually benefit people. It doesn't. Now, the next one is the thorny soil. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, I can go either way on this, right? Because it may be an unbeliever, like hear the word and the word gets choked out. Maybe the cares of this world distracted the person from ever even believing. A great example of this person is the rich young ruler. Some of you remember this, the weirdest gospel Jesus ever preached, okay? Because the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him, scripture said, knowing that he was rich, knowing his heart, knowing where this guy's trust was, he said, okay, here's what you need to do. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's not the gospel, just in case you were wondering, okay? But this man walked away, it said, sorrowfully because he had many things. He walked away, he was upset, and he was like, you know what? I don't know about this whole eternal life thing. I got a lot of cool stuff, okay? I'm not letting this stuff go. We all know that's not the gospel, but Jesus saw that the man's focus was on what he had and the cares of this world. The man walked away from Jesus. He never believed. But what if this is the believer? Maybe this is someone that believed and they got caught up in money, career, investments, taking care of the house, focusing on hobbies and leisure and vacation and worldly things. I'm going to take care of this life and myself, and that will make me happy. These are common distractions for us even as believers, right? Maybe it might not even be these like riches and wealth. Maybe it just might be causes and politics. You're so focused in on all these things. And guess what? Your focus on all these things may have even started in a good place, but got you so far off track that now you've fallen into a trap. Notice what it says, and it proves unfruitful. You're just living an unfruitful life. I mean, think about your life. What eternal value do the things that you do and say have? Think about that for a second. It's a very convicting thought, isn't it? Like, what are you going to do today after you leave here? What are you going to do tomorrow after you leave here and go to work and go to school? What eternal value do the things that you're pursuing actually have? You know, we can get caught up as Christians in all our stuff, can't we? I mean, right now, like, you think about, like, the way our culture is, right? Everything's like, you know, if you're, say, in, like, my age group or a little bit younger, it's like, oh, plan for the future, plan for the future. You know, you got to invest in this, invest in that, invest in that. You know, remember, the, remember the, the, the guy with the barns that had all cool stuff and he had too much? And he was like, well, I think I'll build bigger barns to keep my stuff. And Jesus is like, what a fool. Your life's going to be demanded from you tonight. Now, here's the thing. I'm not speaking out against retirement and investment plans. I'm not speaking out against those things. But we can get so consumed with the next day or the days to come that we don't realize that we're wasting the days that we have. Do you know what day is guaranteed for you and I? Today. <laughs> That's it. And I don't even know about the, the second half. Okay, I know about right now. 
So what am I doing that's actually promoting eternal value and becoming fruitful? And like I said, I'm not just preaching to you because this is a convicting thing for me. What am I doing that has eternal value that's not getting me off track? That's all these things are not choking what I really should be doing with my life. Which brings us to the one there's no debate about. This is the good soil. Okay, this is the believer. As for the one that was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now this is a person that believed, and they're using their life to serve the Lord, and it shows because there's fruit, there's results. But notice this. I love this part. Notice one's a hundredfold, another sixty, another thirty. Do you know what this is saying? Some people are going to be more fruitful than others. But the point is, we're on good soil, and we want to actually use our lives. We don't know what the fruit of our life is going to be, but we do know there will be fruit when we actually focus in on the Lord. You might spend your whole life, you might never get married, you might never have kids, you might work next to one person for your entire life, and God placed you in that person's life so that person would be a believer, and that might be the full-on fruit of your 80 years of life. I don't know that to be, I don't know if that's true or false for you, but the point is this, you're responsive, and you're seeking to actually live for the Lord. So in closing, I wanted to do three applications, three takeaways, because all these parables are going to have these takeaways. I mean, we look at this, now we're going to be able to remember it, right? So now we, we have to look at the takeaways. The first one is this, be faithful with sowing seeds. I don't really care what the culture says. The message does not change. We're not going to be like, oh, you know, when we preach the gospel, we don't really want to talk about sin because people don't like that, okay? We don't want to really talk about hell because people don't like that either. We, we, we need to be faithful with sowing the seeds, regardless of what the responses are. Now, don't be annoying, okay? Don't be annoying to people. Don't continue to beat on those people that, the, that maybe their heart is the path. Okay? But be faithful in sowing the seeds. Secondly, we can't control the condition of the hearer's heart. Do you know whose job that is? That's God's. Okay? That's God's. God's going God's to prepare that soil. He's going to do what needs to be done. It's not our job. Okay? We're not going to look and say, oh, there's one of those path people. I'm not going to waste my seed right now. Okay? No, if they're asking questions, you know, answer them. Talk to them. You know, God controls the soil. Let, let me just tell you this. Do you know what actually messes with soil? Storms, okay? So maybe you're the Christian in somebody's life that a storm comes through, and now here you are, the person to pray with them, the person to love them, the person to help them, the person to point them to Jesus. We can't control the condition of their hearts. You might realize this if you have kids, okay? You know what? You could speak to your kid. You could talk to your kid. You could teach your kid and this and that. But it really is all about the heart, isn't it? It's all about their heart, how responsive they're going to be. So what do you do? You pray for their heart. 
right? You pray for that soil, that it's going to be receptive. And then finally, seek to live like the good soil. Do you want your life to make a difference for eternity? Do you want your life to, and, and I know it's so hard to think of, because when you think of eternity, you're like, that's far away, okay? And I can't think of those things. But do you want your life to make a difference for eternity? Well, the call of the Christian is live a life worthy of the calling. Don't grow weary in doing good. Know that the seeds you sow will fall on all these different soils. Prayerfully, the seeds you sow will fall on some good soil, and you will see God use that, and you'll have a part in the fact that God used you to help someone else know of his saving grace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for this parable. We're thankful for the ease of remembering these things when you taught in these stories. So we pray now, Lord, that we would all seek to be people that live in that good soil, that want to make an eternal difference in the world around us. We realize, Lord, that the things of this world can many times get in the way of our commitment to you. So we pray that we look at the things of this world and we realize their place and how they can be tools so that we can actually make an eternal difference in the lives of the people around us. We're thankful again for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.